I'm Gab. He's Jules. Blue skies over West London. Uh, Jules, a full show once again because we have Napoli losing at home and Lina Nuko top. We have Barcelona turning on the style. We have your boy Camavinga. We have Byron drawing. So much going on. But we have to start at the Manchester Derby. And we're joined by Nadim uh, Onua. Um, Nadim, City go and win 4-1. And... Can I use the old cliche of the game of two halves where in the first half, United kind of keep it close. They play reasonably well for a while. And in the second half, they just fall apart. Yeah, I think that's a great way to describe it. But, you know, that that second half from City, you could see them at times just go through the gears. And for United, you know, they at times I, I felt like they had a that strategy in the first half was a good strategy for that moment. But the moment there's a chance for them to lose belief in it, it seemed like the belief went. And then to, they can't revert back to something which has stood them in good stead because they've been struggling for a long part of the season. So then before you know it, for City, like they look really comfortable. And that's the thing about them. They've got a set identity, as do other really successful teams around the world. And when you go up against them, if they can get into that, it's going to be a tough game for you. And it was it was crazy to see, like, this is a, this is a derby game. And for 15 minutes, City had 92% possession. Yeah, but we're going to... As a professional... As a professional footballer, at no point should you be on a field and that happens, especially because it's 11 versus 11, because there are teams with less less talent that have done better than United did in that second half. So you have to ask a lot of questions. So in the end, you know, it's a great day for Man City. Obviously, it's three points, hopefully, for them towards the title. But it really felt like a statement because they they were as good as they were. There are a ton of questions now being asked of Man United, which historically tends not to be the case. All right, George. Uh, Nadim mentioned how set up here's for those who didn't see the game only saw the highlights uh, Rangnick was without Cristiano Ronaldo without Edinson Cavani yeah. without Mason Greenwood um, he set up in whatever you want to call it some sort of 4-2-2-2 formation or 4-4-2 where basically you had Alanga and um, Sancho in wide areas yeah. and Bruno and Pogba Centrally, you can call one false nine, yeah. false ten, both, maybe are. both false nines, even both false, yeah. yeah. Uh, but definitely, but it kind of worked a little mm. bit to stifle them, yeah, yeah, it did. To be fair, we were all waiting to see at the stadium how it would pan out, how they would play, and I think certainly for the first half hour, maybe even a little bit more, even if they were two one down at that time, it worked well because they could get the ball out well. Uh, I think City struggled to deal with the Bruno and Pogba position between the lines, dropping, sometimes both dropping. So like Laporte and Stones were like, okay, do we go? Do we stay? It's always... Also because City only have one guy. There's only Rodri there in front of the back four, right? So De Bruyne and Bernardo were obviously pushing, which means that at times you had Rodri against Bruno and and Pogba. So it was very clever, I thought, from Reinick. The issue I have is that you knew that at some point City and Pep would work out how to play against that. And when, when we had a little break because there was a, someone had a problem in the stands and you saw Pep straight away saying, Rodri, Laporte and Cancelo, the three of you, you come. And then you say, he said to Laporte, you have to push and you have to go with them. And from that moment on, City did much better with both Pogba and Bruno, with the way United set up. And after that, it was always the feeling of Rangnick has to change something because if he keeps the same tactics, City are going to walk over them, and that's exactly what they did. Is, is that how you see it? You expected? I mean, what what could Rangnick have done different in in the second half? Um, I don't know. I think is if you look on the bench and so on, there were players who we could have brought on to sort of maybe tweak things a little bit. But 
I don't know. I think, like, unfortunately with United at this moment in time, like, they have a level of talent, but they don't have that identity as such. So for City, like, a slight tweak is something which they do all the time because they come up against opposition You try and play against them in particular ways. But for United, like, I don't know, there's like a, almost like a lack of belief, it feels like, in certain things. And then once you don't have the ball for a prolonged period, so everyone just steps on the back foot, but you need bravery to be able to take on a side like City. I'd suggest it's probably also the fact that City's manager has been there a very long time, um, which gives you more scope to do tweaks because you're much more of an identity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and the structure um, is stronger. But the other elephant in the room, um, Cristiano Ronaldo, not there. Uh, we were told he has a, he had a hip flexor issue. Some people feel that he should have been there regardless, Jules. Yeah, maybe just to support the team. Uh, there was a lot of rumors about the injury or not because they also... Did I he think, go to Portugal? Do we know this for a fact? I don't know for a fact. I was told he was in Portugal, but he might not have been. He might have been in his house in Manchester. He might have been at Nadam's house to watch the game on the sofa. I, I mean, for all I know, I don't know. Would he have been dropped? Had he been fit, would he have been dropped for this game? I think so. I think so. I think Rannick would have dropped him. It's not a game that Cristiano can play right now, the way City play and the way United would have approached the game. I don't think, I don't want to believe that someone like him, with his career, like, pretends to be injured because he knows he's going to be dropped. I don't want to believe that. I know this is a rumour that is going around right now. I don't want to, be, I cannot believe that someone, any player, any footballers, would pretend to be injured because he doesn't want to be on the bench, regardless of what kind of game it is, derby or not derby. I'll give you my take. I'd love to hear from, from Nadim as well as, as an ex-pro, and you can tell me about dressing room dynamics and all this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, once Cristiano Ronaldo isn't playing because the man is 37 years old and he knows his body probably... You know, like a lot, a lot of professional athletes know their body really, really yeah. well. I would assume him, with he's got a freaking PhD in Christianology, the study of himself. Of himself. Um, if he's not fit to start this game, I see absolutely no reason why he should go there and show up and cheerlead from the bench. Now, no. I know he won the Euros by cheerleading on the bench. But it's a bit that's different. not the debate here. And the no, debate no, no. is, is he injured or not? It's not so much... The controversy is not whether he should have been there or not. I'm just well, saying it would have been nice not, maybe for him to listen, support. The, the problem with is he injured or not, um, that's not something that we can answer. So I'm not even sure it's something worth debating. Unless Manchester yeah, United yeah. come out and say he wasn't injured and Ronaldo says, no, I was injured. United have said he, has, he was injured. So yeah. to me, I have to take that yeah, at, at face value. If at that point, he says, I'm 37 years old. I have probably the biggest gain that I have left in my career coming up in a couple of weeks um, in, in the World Cup playoffs for Portugal. Yeah, I'm not playing anyway. Why shouldn't I go to Portugal? That's a, that's a good point. Yeah, I mean, right. hey, Nadem, if you were a teammate, right? I mean, you've got a bit of the McTominay's about you. Um, mm. If you would you be upset that Cristiano isn't there cheering you on from the stands and maybe he went to Portugal to get treatment so that he could play for his country and finish the season on the high with maybe with doctors who, who know him better, who've treated him before? I think the, I think the two sides to that and I need to talk about the playing for Portugal thing because for him personally, that might be his biggest game. But for the fans of Manchester United, there's an expectation that they that he puts all his heart and soul into representing them in the same way he sort of described when he came back and it wasn't necessarily the case of demanding that he has to be there but because he's Cristiano Ronaldo as is the case with other significant players in any club 
if they're not available for a game, they can still have a room in the hotel. They can still have a space allocated for them. And I would, I, I would think of it this way. If, my, if by some miracle, Man United make it to the Champions League final, Ronaldo's not available, but he's got internationals in two, three weeks' time, would he choose to go? Or would he just go to Portugal and deal with whatever he needs to deal with? Like, I, I, I think it gives... I think it's a funny message for fans to digest because they love him, you know. And I'm, I'm like with Jules, like I refuse to think that Cristiano Ronaldo has bailed on his team because this is one of the best professionals I believe in the history of football. But then from the same side, like the game that he's missed is in Manchester. It's the most convenient game to be able to get to to support your side because you don't need to leave your home, but you need to leave your home to go to Portugal. And again, he's Ronaldo. Surely these doctors, or whoever, could come to him. He's the most conse- he's arguably the most consequential player in the history of football, but he has to fly to Portugal to go Listen, and see someone. Like, I, don't, I don't get it. It's rare for an injured player to still be there in the pad- what we call the paddock, which is especially uh, in home stadium, just behind the bench, dressed in his normal clothes. Okay, they don't always do it. I get, away I get, stadium in this case. And away, yeah, down the roads, yeah, away okay. down the roads. Mm-hmm. So, but but so uh, yeah, your point and is valid. I think Nadam's point in a way is valid too. I don't think he should be criticised for it either. Listen, so. Look, Cristiano Ronaldo's been a professional for what twenty years now, and I am not obsessed with Cristiano Ronaldo the way that Cristiano Holics are out there. So I can't tell you it has never happened in his career, and probably has happened in his career that. Maybe he accentuated an injury because he was upset at being left out or whatever else. I'm sure it has happened at some point. It's entirely plausible. I just don't remember off the top of my head. Mm -hmm. However, I don't remember this happening in recent years. What I do remember is Cristiano's teammates at Juventus and at Real Madrid and early on at United as well, generally praising his professionalism, saying that, yes, he's a diva and an egomaniac, but... He's a phenomenal teammate. Yeah, of course. Right? This has been the consistent message that we've had, even even from Juve, where, you know, in the end, they weren't but sorry Sammy, to see him leave. Sammy Kadira told us. Yeah, all right. Sammy so. Kadira, it's one of many, right? Yeah. When we, when Gavin Jules meets, we spoke to him. So this would seem to me to be so out of character for Cristiano to do at this stage. And I think mm-hmm. from United's perspective, I like, I, lo- I like the fact that rules are rules and whatever. But if you're signing Cristiano Ronaldo, you're not signing a normal footballer. And to some degree, you make allowances. Sir Alex Ferguson made allowances for Eric Cantona. Yeah. And we know now for Roy Keane as well, albeit in a different way. You know, Roy yeah. Keane was allowed to go and, 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 and bully Juan Sebastian Veron in a way that maybe other footballers weren't allowed to do, right? <laughs> so, you know, having said that, I, I know it's, it's Ronaldo, so it becomes a story, but... Are we really going to go and dump this on him? No, 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 no. No one is dumping. No, no but I think there's some media that maybe are going to go down that road. What's for sure, though, is yesterday on that pitch, there was a huge leadership problem amongst the United. Okay, and, well, okay. So I don't perfect want... transition to the United captain. Do you want to discuss him? <laughs> well, yeah. I was not even saying. I don't want to like. <laughs> well, you spoke to him after the game. Yeah, and he was happy with the first half, and rightly so. Could not explain why they were so terrible. He was happy with his defending in the first half. He was happy with the way the team play, Harry <laughs> Maguire. And then I have to say, I bottled it because I was going to ask him, why on earth did you let the ball go between your leg on that the Bruyne second goal? Because, and Nathan, really I want your input on this. And I know the game goes fast and it's really quick. Yeah. However, on, on the foot and shot that De Gea parries, right? 
right into Maguire's feet there in his, in his, in his path. He can easily kick the ball onto the M662, whatever the one that comes near you. Yeah. Or yeah. in the United fans who are right there in front of him behind that goal. Or even maybe if he, you know, find the right angle, put it out for a throw in, not even a corner. And yet he decides to let the ball go between his leg, not he, even knowing what's behind him. And guess what, Harry? Who was behind you? Bernardo <laughs> Silva. He was, he was planning on doing a Cruyff turn, perhaps. <laughs> But just yeah. didn't get around to it. No, Nathan, tell us. You you. Is it because he goes too quick or what? Tell us yeah, what what this, happened. So, so so Harry Maguire is in for a lot of criticism at the minute because he's not playing well. People tend to not like his personality, style of play, all that stuff. But he, when he was playing well, I think he had this belief that he's good on the ball and all that stuff. So he thinks. I believe that he thinks that the way to get out of this situation where people are critical of you is to show people how good you are. Because to let a ball run through your legs, it's like trying to show composure. But he's completely misread the situation. It falls into the trap of what everybody believes he is anyway. Like, like not, I'd say 99% of all players in that instance will kick the ball away. But a player that thinks he wants to prove how good he is at sort of playing the game itself would do something like that. Because it didn't come at him that hot to the point where he had to leave it. Like, it's a weird decision. It's such a shame as well. Because what I say from De Gea, because now we're talking about the fact that he's <laughs> a centre-back letting the ball roll through his legs six yards out with Gosh. basically every Man City player right behind him. It's... It's, it's criminal, and I think he needs to get rid of that because he has to go back, in my opinion, to just being a foundationally like sound defender. All that other stuff doesn't matter because you look around at all the other centre-backs who are doing well at the moment, and nobody cares that like they can do Cruyff turns and stuff. They just defend well, primarily, and now their reputations are well, higher because of it. I, I think it's also about reading the moment. When you've got a back four that's been criticised so much, that's missing you know half the starters, because let's say this, Luke Shaw and Rafael Varane were unavailable. Mm -hmm. um, and whatever you think of them, that is 50% of the first choice. That's a back four that costs £175 million, pound, by the way. I'm just, I'm just putting that out there. I'm just putting it I, out there. Look, I'm not, I'm not going to dispute that. But, um, <clears throat> but, they, but that's why you read the situation. You read the situation and say, this is not the time for, for, for smooth defending, bring the ball out. Yeah. This is a time for not taking chances because we know we're fragile. I know, by the way, we're playing one of the best teams in the world, in Manchester City. Um, but there's a problem in leadership in that team. All right. That second half, okay. they gave up. So let's talk about another guy who I would think is supposed to be a, a leader on this team. Uh, because we often talk about homegrown players, they get the club. Uh, your fellow Mancunian, Marcus mm. Rashford. Mm. Now, he didn't start. He came on. I don't think he did much at all when he came on. I'm just wondering to myself, right? Marcus Rashford, we can say he's a forward, right? And he's played center forward. And he scored a lot of goals at center forward uh, or when, when, when he came in with Van Gaal. Yeah. What does it say when three other center forwards are out and he's not regarded as a serious option to start the game by Ralph Rangnick. Is it because Rangnick wanted something different to counter Pep? Hence the two force nine, the Pogba and Bruno's... I'm sure it is, position. but why do you want something different from the guy who is, I, th I believe he's one of United's four or five highest paid players. He's the golden boy. He's homegrown. I know he's had his injury last season and his foot or whatever the hell it was and so on. But at some point, I, I mean, is it fair to ask... Is Marcus Rashford, was he more productive when he was 20 years old than he is now? And what are the reasons for it? And how do you get out of it? And I'd love to hear from you, Nadim, because yeah. you, we see this trajectory. Players come up and come into the first team. They have 
you know, they hit the ground running, they score a lot, they look to be on like on a total upward trajectory, and then they get their nose bloodied, and sometimes it takes them time to get back to, 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 to getting back on track, to, to fulfilling the, their, their potential. Yeah, I would agree. I think if we were to look at it in totality, you could maybe argue he's not really recovered from the summer at the Euros in terms of how that finished. Because from then, the form that he's shown and so on, it hasn't been up to the standard. That, he wasn't great you know, before the summer. He wasn't great last season. Yeah, yeah but, it's, but, it's, I, but it's like actually getting worse to the point where I'm hearing fellow Mancunians saying that they need to get rid of one of their own. And that's something which they tend not to do. And for this game, when, you cho- when you're choosing Elanga, who I think most people say isn't as good a player as Rashford, but you're choosing him because he was essentially going to run more. Like, that's a red flag to me. Because for Marcus, especially given the fact it's a derby game, and the same for, say, Lingard and so on, the bare minimum is being able to compete and just try hard for your team in a game which doesn't necessarily require talent to have an influence. So he's not... He's really struggling at the minute. Really, really struggling. I don't know if he can't handle the pressure, the fact that he's in and out of the side, but he looks like a shadow of his former self. But then also, I think it gives sort of credit to the people who do it year in, year out, because at some point, you know, it gets harder because people figure you out. But how do you react? And for Marcus at the minute, shooting from like 40 yards out and trying to take on four or five people, it doesn't work. Yeah, you have to adapt. Yeah, Unfortunately, he's not doing that. Tell, he's lost a lot of confidence. I, I'll say this. I mean, obviously, I've never met the guy. I've heard him speak. And obviously, with all the stuff he does... He's, he's looks like a very very nice man and obviously he's done fantastic things um in 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 his his efforts socially and, and on poverty and whatnot um i think this also shows you the benefits of being a good person because he's undoubtedly a good person and i think maybe that's why people are a little more patient than they are with him if he was a nasty piece of work which he isn't because yeah. in terms of productivity, and he's obviously in a hole right now. He needs help yeah, to get out. Definitely. And but Rangnick has helped Sancho. Sancho is 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 has actually on the Sancho point. Yeah, he's improved because the first part of the season, most Sancho was doing nothing. Right. Yeah, yeah. But here, okay, scored so a Rangnick great goal. the same with Rashford. Right, but Sancho in the second half, the the the, 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 the twenty minutes, or even the other Sancho chance, which I thought actually, United had some actually pretty good build-up play. Yeah. And then he goes and he screws it. I know. I, you need to. Somebody's got to step up here, and and this is what I, this is what I struggle with, right? You talk about your leaders, right? You're in this situation. Obviously, Alanga's there just to run, fine, right? But Sancho, Pogba, Bruno. I thought Bruno also you know, did the, the invisible, turned into the invisible man. Um, none of these people step up. No, 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 no. It was it was difficult for them. I mean, that that second half really. I mean, really, the attitudes was wrong I mean you can lose and this is a point where Cancelo has the ball on the left hand side right by the touchline and, and Juan Bissaka is in front of him almost Gav as like you and me are there like not even closing him down and it's an easy ball from Cancelo into midfield towards Rodri or Bernardo or someone and then Fred fouls him and Fred turn around at Juan Bissaka and starts shouting and go like with his hands clapping the hands and say tighter go closer and Juan Bissaka does instead of maybe apologizing or saying so he points at Fred don't know what he's saying, but it was more like, well, what about you? Or you this? or you? And I'm like, well, come on. You're 3-1 down, but there's still t- time to, to try to put pressure on them. At least do something. Instead of being, they were tourists. They were passengers in that second half. They just look, them, look at City passing the ball. And City were great. And you have, to, you have to give, I think, a lot of credit to Pep and City for tactically correcting the whole thing. Right. We said after half an hour for everybody to step up, including Mares, who, by the way, didn't touch the ball in the first 15 minutes. And I was like, what's going on? He did not touch a single ball 
for the first 15 minutes. And I saw him at the end and I said, bro, what, what happened? He said, I don't know. He said, clearly they had decided to go on to the Elanga Wambisaka side with Can't Grealish. Can't imagine why. With Grealish and Cock, don't know why, and Bernardo <laughs> going to the half space, and that worked well. But still, 15 minutes with nothing from right. Ares, in the end he has two goals and he was, he was happy. But I think City deserves a lot of credit as well for the way they adapted to running tactics and the way they really stepped up in that second half because they were unplayable for a United team that was disappointing with the wrong mm. attitude. But I think they would have been unplayable at that level for a lot of teams in Europe. I, I want to I get to sit in a minute in the title race, but I want to ask another question. And, and just for people who don't know, how things work differently in, in other countries than they do in England. And I'm not suggesting one is right or the other. And you have to, it has to fit the culture that you're in. But when I look at United right now, and you know, there, there, there's leaks and stories coming out about the you know senior players want this guy, this guy doesn't like that guy, this guy doesn't like Ronaldo, this guy doesn't trust Maguire, whatever. What you get in Germany, in in France, with Leonardo's yapping constantly, yeah. in in Italy, the director of football figure um, is close to the team, but isn't isn't the manager. So he does a lot of spot speaking to the players. He mediates with the media. He gives the club line. Um, this is completely absent at Manchester United. I mean, not just United, and most most English clubs. I don't think I don't think anybody's ever heard Chiki Begiristein's voice. Perhaps you have, Nadim, and mm -hmm. admittedly I have too. But like, mm -hmm. but I'm wondering about that in terms of the internal group dynamics. Um, you've got Darren Fletcher there. You've got Murta there. I'm sure Mike Phelan's knocking around somewhere in the background yeah, unless yeah, they yeah. let him go. I have no idea. I honestly don't know what happened to Mike Phelan. But is there a role, or as a player, do you just, did you just relate straight up to the manager and nobody else from the club? Or would there a role, be a role there in terms of some of these internal relations issues for a sporting director, Nadim? I think... Um Firstly, you'd want a manager that's going to be sticking around for a while and has been there for a while. That's the first key thing. Because okay, then and we know they don't have respect. that. So exactly. there's not much we can do about so then, that. So then stage two would be somebody who is then aligned to the manager so they speak from the same, they go from the same hymn sheet. But if there's nothing there like that, then there's nobody to listen to. And I think in this instance, when we look at United, like the, as, uh, as Jules was saying there about, say, Fred pointing at Wambisaka or Wambisaka pointing back or whatever, you can see there's a lack of belief in each other. So even if somebody mm -hmm. came in in that director of football role and said to them, no, you need to do better, this is who we are, the fact is they still go on the field with the same people that they don't necessarily agree with. And you can see that sort of fractured relationship. And I think that's, football, like football and competing, especially in a team sport, can be very, very hard when everybody's not together. But then you see yesterday, at times they might, in the second half, oh, we're going to go and do like a half press. But the people behind don't believe in the half press, so they go back. And then before you know it, City, because of how good they are, they'll flick a ball over the top of somebody else and now it's like a split. It's attack versus defense. And that's what happens inside. They don't sort of believe in each other. They don't do things together because they don't buy into it together and have so much disagreeing upon like what the best strategy is. And that's when it would pay to have somebody in power who is there for the long term because it can make it abundantly clear it's this way or you don't play. Yet instead now, the five, six people doing it their own way on the field at any given moment, especially when things go wrong, which is what makes it a lot worse. So director of football in theory could work, but they don't have the infrastructure for it to be able to at the minute. But they do, you know, because they have Darren Fletcher. He's, he's there, right? And it's not just Fletcher. But do they believe in him? Do they believe in him, though? That's the question. Do they right. believe in him? I, I don't know. He never speaks. I don't know what his relationship with Ronnie is, but 
just to, to, to follow the point that Nadem just makes, Rangnick has had some good ideas. He's done some really good things since arriving. Okay, they, this, this was really the first top team that they played and they, they got destroyed. Okay, but, and there's much bigger games coming, by the way. But still, I think, I think he's done some positives in the tactics and I think the, the structure of the players at times. But why he's not good at Because he's a tactician. That's what he, that's what he does. He's not good for that team spirit. I don't think he's someone. I mean, you look at. He looks like a. He looks like a professor anyway. I don't think he can build an attitude and a dressing room environment to make people fight for each other. I don't think he would have. I, I don't know. I don't know. Arsenal I mean, had I might a guy who looked like a professor for a long time, and they did okay. But yeah. True. true but, but but Arsene was not good for. Arsene was never have a pre-match talk where the players would leave the room thinking. Oh, we're going to fight for each other. You know, he, he pumped them up. That's not what Arsene did. And I don't think that's what Rangnick does either. I just don't, do not think he's got that kind of personality of getting all the dressing room pumped up, all the one ready, building that team spirit, that mentality of like, let's fight for each other. Let's go until the end. Let's do this. Let's do that. This is not what he does. And others have been very, managers like him have been very successful just focusing on the tactics and having leaders. And we go back to the leadership, having leaders in the dressing room to play that role well, of building that team spirit. back to the basic point that having all these senior United ex-pros and, and non-ex-pros who, who are there, I'd love to know how involved they are because I think they should be involved. Because whatever happens, Rangnick in six months will most likely be gone. Darren Fletcher will still be there. Marcus Ratchard will still be there. So I think there is a role for these people mm -hmm. to, to, to operate, to, to try to improve the glue in the dressing room. Maybe they're doing it and we don't know about it. Maybe they're not because we don't. We only know whatever. It doesn't look like this is a very united dressing room. Well, and by the way, Rashford out of contract in June 2023. This yeah. is very, very soon. So at some point, someone will have to make a decision whether he's all stays the more or goes. reason. Maybe he even him. Yeah. All the more reason why, if you're Richard Arnold, you'd want to speak to Fletcher and be like, "Hey, yeah. spend some time with Rashford. Figure out what's going on." Um, on the title race, they got up six points. We, we I, I was just looking at it, and look, I don't. I know the performances. I, performances matter to me as much as points. And I'd love to believe that there's a title race. But I think we'll get to Liverpool later in quick hits. But I look at how Liverpool have played over the last half dozen games. And look, they've won, I think, 11 of their last 12. And the one that they didn't win, they ended up winning on penalties against Chelsea League Cup. So the results yeah. are there. And you can look at it and say, well, they've got heart and whatever. But I look at this and I say City are playing a lot better. Really? At Everton? Against Spurs? Well, in this game. In this game. But they were not good at Everton. They won. They were not really good defensively against Spurs. They lost. Okay, so there's nothing so... I just... I, I just... I just... Well, I don't know, Nathan, what you think. But I, I think Liverpool yeah. are not playing at their best. How worried? Let's find out. Let, 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 yeah, let's... Let's try to let it find out. How worried oh, are okay. you, Nathan? Oh, look at him. Worries. What, what am I worried about? Are we squirming in his seat, man? They're coming for you. I'm going to talk about you. it either way, so it makes they're no difference. They're coming for you. No, no, no. I think <laughs> with Liverpool, they're, they're, doing nothing, they're, they're showing why, say, for throughout the last four years, they've been involved in title races because they can churn out results without necessarily playing well. I think the danger is as the season progresses, as is the case for City, as we've seen here with Everton and to a certain extent Spurs, the teams you play against have got their own objectives and the time is running out, so they add a layer of desperation, which you can't really sort of quantify, if you know what I mean. So, like, anything... People saying, like, oh, you know, if Liverpool, if they win every game between 90 and the season, win the league. And I'm thinking, is this how we're casually talking about winning every game in the final <laughs> third of the season? Like, it's just what, like it's a foregone conclusion. 
everybody will have something to play for. Playing teams in the bottom three come April, May times, completely different fair to what it was back in January, back in December. So there's nothing guaranteed. And then add in the later stages, the Champions League and so on, you don't know. So I think for now, Liverpool being on the run that they're on is great. But if people are saying they're going to win every game, you're talking about a 25, 26 game win streak or something like that. Let's be clear, that's, that's very unlikely, is it yeah. not? He's not worried. I've got a question for both of you. And I don't know the answer because I've never been involved in a title race, okay? This weekend, Liverpool played before City. So you win, you come back to three points. What everybody talks about is they're three points behind, they're putting the pressure. The next two game weeks, Liverpool will play again before City. And then there's mm-hmm. the one where they play the FA Cup, so their games, including the Liverpool-Man United game, is postponed. Is, is, that, is it important that you play before your title um, race rivals, Nadem? Or is it actually, yeah. doesn't really matter it's, so much? No, I think, I think for City or whoever's on top, they'll pretend it doesn't matter, but it does matter because that early game as well, because it's these teams, will tend to be on TV, so you can't really escape it. And you, ha- you will be tracking the result to see what happens. And, you know, you could say there's the added pressure if they say if Liverpool win, it goes down to three points. But I wouldn't say that. But I'd say there's added incentive if Liverpool don't win and then City play afterwards. I think that level of psychology to it is what I believe is more important. Because as I say, the City have the lead and whatever. And I think for Liverpool, Liverpool, I think if City go first and they win, it goes to like nine points and Liverpool have got a tough game and it's not going well. There's huge pressure that's upon them. But in terms of the other side of it, I don't see it as much. Mm. But it makes for a good title race, in my opinion. And it's good title race from the outside, but for these two teams, they'll believe they'll both believe they can win it. But for them, like it's just it's like yeah, okay, they've dropped a point. Here's our chance to make it bigger. But I think that's the only thing that really matters, in my opinion. Rationally, I'd imagine it doesn't make much difference. But you basically always would want you to, rather play. First you would generally it? you would generally want to play want to play first because mm-hmm. even if you don't get the result, then there's pressure on the other team to take advantage of it. Nadim, thank you so much. It is an absolute pleasure, guys. Take care. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com gab. Just go to Indeed.com gab. Gab right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Gab. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, enough MCR. How about some quick hits instead? Let's go, Gab. Liverpool keep pace with City at the top of the table, beating West Ham 1-0. Jules, they probably conceded more than they would have liked, but how about that Trent Alexander-Arnold? Wow, I don't know if you want to talk about the assist first or the goal line clearance. Uh, the goal line clearance, you know, I, when you came out, oh, are you going to say you can't defend anymore? All right, it's a dude chasing back. That's, yeah, not, yeah, yeah. that's, that's, not, that's not how I evaluate defending. No, definitely not. Right? It's still a great effort. I mean, it's still a tremendous effort. Tremendous. Props and to that. But- Fornals should have scored. But I love the assist because 
at no point he even looks up to he see where Mane is, the defenders are, the goal is, the keeper is maybe. He just has this incredible feeling or he might have looked before and and has the picture in his head already which i think which he does i think yeah. and but his brain processes exciting. things quicker and he has the technical ability to deliver incredible i think it's an incredible talent yeah. and that again I, I don't think people i think people take it for granted even liverpool fans and i and i do think that he's still underestimated on how good he is on the board yeah there's a lot of things to work <laughs> on but like, come on, man! He's not it's, having it's just. He's not having. He's maybe having his third best season as a pro, I don't and he's know. still leading the table in assists. Do you it's think? It's incredible. I'm not sure. He's had better years. I'm not sure. Well, it's just because he's been even better in other seasons. I think it's but, not because he's it's might have had up. more assists than he was better though, because he does some things this season that I. I just think right. he's gone to another okay. level again. She wins for Milan away to Napoli to go top of Serie A, and Gab is the handsome World Cup winner. My boy Olivier Giroud did it. Two goals against Inter and I got against Napoli. Yeah, pops up, right place, right time to uh, deflect uh, Calabria's uh, weirdo shot, yeah, cross, whatever cross, that was. Whatever was. Um, I feel for Napoli a little bit. Uh, I thought both teams went at it. Uh, both played with a lot of energy. Um, but then in the second half, Milan pulled away. And I think they're deserving winners. Taking the goal aside, do thank Napoli that Osimen, Tomori on Osimen. I thought that should have been a penalty afterwards. Yeah, Tomori. I thought too. By the way, Tomori's well done, Fikayo, if you're watching this, because as Italian, pretty darn good for an English guy. Him and Kalulu, I thought, did well on the way they... I'm talking about how he speaks Italian. Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, no, I know. Kalulu's French. I expect him to speak Italian. But I know, this I know, guy, I know, but still, yeah. No, yeah. no but no, no. They, they, they defended very well. Mm, you wouldn't, I mean, not that long ago, you would have thought, oh, okay, Romagnoli out, Milan screwed. Mm. But uh, we've gone way past that. Yeah. Chelsea scored four after the break to win 4-0 at Burnley. Jules Kai Havertz looked good, really good. Romelu Lukaku stayed on the bench. Uh, yeah. Is he first yeah. choice now? It certainly looks that way. I, I still want to believe that you can also adapt a bit to the opposition, maybe. But what, you're playing Burnley, so you don't want your big, strong center forward in I, there? But it was exactly the same before Liverpool. I thought, okay, maybe you're going to put Lukaku back because, you know, it's Van Dijk and Matip or Konate or whatever. And actually, Havertz was really good. And he was really good against the big Burnley defenders and again, a rough team and an aggressive team. So, yeah, I mean, he's, why would you take Havertz out of your team when he's in such good form, when he brings so much, when he's clinical, when he's intelligent in the way he moves, when he helps your team. You're, you're heavily invested in both players. Yeah, uh, but... I would like to see them together more often, personally. I, I know Polisic, if, if he's in there, gives you something different. And for some reason, Werner and Ziyech is the creativity. But, you know, why not have Mount behind a front two? Yeah, maybe. And by the way, every time Harvest scores or does well, it's a good excuse to listen to the Chelsea fans singing his songs because it's a pretty good song. So. Thomas Tuchel had harsh words, however, Gab, for the minority of Chelsea supporters who interrupted the uh, minute of silence or of applause uh, for the victims of the war in Ukraine to support the, the, war, the, the people of Ukraine by singing Roman Abramovich's name. Yeah, like, I mean, to me, 100% praise for Thomas Tuchel. Here oh, yeah. Because however you think about this, right, even if you're so single-minded and invested and you think that Roman Abramovich is being scapegoated here, and like, maybe he is, I don't know. But that is not the moment to do it. You're remembering victims of war. That is not the moment to sing Roman Abramovich's name. I know. And well done, Tuchel. That was crazy. Jules, 
Why does Christophe Gaultier have a voodoo head no. over Paris Saint-Germain? Last year, he guided Lille past no. them to win Ligue 1. This year, with Nice, he did a league double over them and knocked them out of the French Cup. Yeah, so they, they drew actually in Paris nil-nil. So it's not technically, it's not as much of a league double, really. But it's still, it's still good. It's still amazing. I think they... I think he tactically gets it, how resilient they are. They don't give you much. And when on top of it, Kylian Mbappe is not playing, which I've told you many times before, if you take Mbappe out of this team... Oh, you only have Messi and Neymar, so... But collectively, there's not much left. So it's, it's not much you're left. You're Messi, I'm Neymar. I pass you the ball, you pass me the ball. It's all <laughs> yeah. into feet. There's no movement. And Hakimi, we pass it back to Verratti. Verratti plays it into space. There was no Hakimi either. There's no... Uh, or, or Nuno Mendes. Yeah, I don't need to see much more of Tilo Kerr oh right back. Oh, we haven't even touched... We haven't even mentioned Wijnaldum. Gini Wijnaldum did something incredible. He played in midfield for 45 minutes for a team that had 55, 60% of possession and he touched the ball nine I don't want times. To think How's that possible? It. I don't want to think right, about it. It was such a bad game. PSG <laughs> was so bad. I don't even think about it. Speaking of PSG though, Gab, they Champions League opponents on Wednesday night. Real Madrid beat Real Sociedad 4-1 to go eight points clear at the top of La Liga uh, and some doubted Eduardo Camavinga, another one of my boys. They were right to do so? I thought he was phenomenal. Yeah, he scored he a great good. goal. He's so smart. Reads read the game well. Yeah, the he was, as he well. was playing for Kroos in there. Interprets the position differently. In mm. midweek, he'll be he'll likely be replacing Casemiro, which is a, a different challenge for you. It's easy to forget because he's been starting since the 2019 season. Yeah, yeah. But the guy isn't even doesn't even turn 20 years old until November. I know. So good, big shout out, and also. Fine, aggressive, high-press performance from uh, Real Madrid and Ancelotti. Not something we've seen all the time this season. So, big plus for them. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing. However you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launcher online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million dollar stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify is your no excuses business partner. Sell without needing to code or design. Just bring your best ideas and Shopify will help you open up shop. What I love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash gabjewels, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash g-a-b-j-u-l-s now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash gabjewels. Jules, horrifying scenes from the Liga Mekis where the match between Queretaro and Atlas had to be abandoned on Saturday night after fighting between rival sets of fans. It spilled out in the pitch. It was in the stands. Mm. 26 people were injured, some very seriously. I thought scenes like this belonged to the past. Me too, Gab. It was quite horrendous to, um, to, to watch. Uh, the league has been suspended now, and rightly so. I, I don't even know how you... What your next move is if you're Liga MX, if you're, you know, what you do to the two clubs and to the set of fans. It's obviously not every single fan, we get that, but this was really ugly. It's such it a bad publicity for Mexican football in general, for Mexico in general as well, not just the football side of it. I mean, big it's policing like, issues um, with Cristina Fernandez on the FC show last night. Yeah. She said that there were about 600 um, between private security, cops, and so on at the stadium. 
I don't know where they were. I, know, I didn't see them. Function, clearly, it's clearly like, something went badly wrong. I mean, wrong. we saw in Brazil as well at the weekend. Uh, one fan died in the Cruzeiro Atlético Mineiro. It's just like this has to stop. We don't need it. This. Really has to stop. Barcelona win two one away. Elche and Gab. We saw a contentious penalty. One given for Barca. One not given uh, for Elche. But certainly the Xavi revival continues. Yeah, as you know, I like to separate performance and results. Yeah. So as far as the penalties are concerned, I don't see why. I I, I thought. Barcelona's penalty should not have been given. I agree. He took it very, very well, but it should not have yeah. been given. Yeah. I thought the other one, the Jordi Alba one that they asked for, also should not have been no. given. Yeah. Look where his I arm agree. is. No. Yeah. Uh, that said, Barcelona played really, really well. They played well first when they had Alba and, and Dembele in yeah. the first half. In the second half, I thought they even went up a notch when Ferran Torres came on, uh, Adama Traore uh, as well, Frankie de Jong missing a bunch of chances. Yeah, you yeah. worry when teams don't create chances. They created plenty. They were solid at the back. Very promising. Four games in a row very, now. Very promising. Things are looking up. And they have that extra confidence because you could see, you know, the penalty came in the 84th minute. You could see the old Barcelona 1-1. Yeah. Oh, no, what are we going to do? Freaking out. Uh-uh. These guys had the confidence. Mm. Bayer Leverkusen hold Bayern München to a 1-1 draw, which is much better than last time they played them when they conceded five before halftime. Jules, our boy Julian Nagelsmann struggling a little yeah. bit. I have to say, I watch it and I watch it again, and I'm still not sure tactically exactly what he wanted to do, not just in this game, but in the last few weeks. Upamecano is clearly going through a bad patch. He's lost confidence. That back pass for, for Sven Ulrich, that... Uh, uh, Adley, yeah, the, no, the Adley almost oh, right, right. intercepted and then hit the post when really he should have scored. I thought Adley and Diaby, like Paul Pamecano, could not even follow them. He could not even see them. It was like they they were flash. Well, maybe he shouldn't be a left centre back. Maybe he. But maybe he should not be playing even at the at the moment, and maybe just go back to something a bit more traditional. Let's put it that way. Lucas Hernandez was suspended. He's back now. I, I, I don't know, but, but try to do something a bit different. Cause Your assessment of Omar Richards for the benefit of our Reading supporting yeah, uh, producer? Yeah, I think yeah. maybe another time. Uh, <laughs> but you know what? You didn't lose. No. You've won the title anyway, even if they lost no. that game. It's just, it's, it is a it's string, just not clicking. It is a string, though, of results where they don't click. Yeah. Manuel Neuer coming back. Yeah, that's big. Uh, I, think, I think that should, that should help as well. Lewandowski was really quiet. One of the most quietest games that he had it's this quite, season. And by the way, Bayer Leverkusen, no Patrick Schick. And yeah. Florian Wirtz did play, but I think... He had a minimal impact yeah, in this yeah, game. Yeah. Juventus beat Spezia 1-0 as Alvaro Morata scores the winner gap. 14 games and beaten now for Max Allegri. Seven points back. They're closing in and very soon I think there's a Juve Inter, isn't it? Yeah, and I think that's where we're going to kind of realize what they are. It is 14 games unbeaten. It's not 14 good performances. No. Um, I don't think this is particularly impressive either. They could have added <laughs> a second one they control the game. Uh, late on. You control yeah, to a control, point, but yeah. you know. I mean, the second half, Spezia, yeah, okay, that header could have gone in, maybe. But but the thing about Spezia is they're all over the place, and then you know you make one mistake, and then you've got two points. Uh, I don't know how far you can get doing this, but hey, they've gone this far, so they can prove me wrong. Yeah. They're only seven points back. Yeah, that's true. Arsenal are in the top four Woo! after beating Watford three-two. Jules, they're ahead of United and West Ham, and they have three games in hand. Wow. How about some love for Arteta? He deserves some, and not just for the the mini assist that he had on the on the third goal when he's quick thinking on the touchline, throws the ball to Bukayo Saka, who then plays the throw in quickly, and then it's one touch, one touch, one touch, one touch for a wonderful goal, uh, collectively uh, from Martinelli. Great finish as well, but the. Cedric, Odegaard, Lacazette, Martinelli move was fantastic. Some great goals in this game. Yeah, great goals. Even from Watford. And the maybe, best one was Kucho's. Uh, although he shins it a little bit. 
but still, it's still great. It's still great. Uh, but I, I love the way Arsenal moves with the ball going forward. I love the other guard. Yeah, defensively, they considered two and a couple and of big chances. And they let Watford get back into yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, true. Okay. But I think you should, after a game like this, look at the game, look at the glass half full, because I think it was very good half full, more than a bad half empty. Yeah. Tammy Abraham scores his 20th. Goal of the season in all competition and Roma defeat Atalanta 1-0. And what about the Zaniolo control and assist as well? Still no Jose Mourinho because he's suspended. But Gab, they're up to fifth. Yeah, and I'm just wondering, maybe Mourinho might want to get more suspensions. Just know, work with the team during the week. Yeah, no, just, just don't, don't turn, turn up. up. I mean, he's still getting his messages across. <laughs> um, you know, this was a game where, you know, Atalanta, uh, they've got players out. Yeah, they're just it's... not at the races. But Roma played played well, and that Zaniolo Tammy Abraham partnership oh, is working. He's I, I have to laugh earlier when you know he dropped Zaniolo and like you know the, the Mourinho holics says Zaniolo's rubbish. Mourinho's doing the right thing. Everyone, no, no, no. Zaniolo, Zaniolo is absolute quality, and Tammy Abraham, he's so smart. Took when you have well. that conversation combination of athleticism and intelligence and work rate mm. and you're the size he is yeah, yeah. Uh, it's really really tough for defenders mm. to handle Atletico Madrid are also in the top four after beating Betis 3-1 Jules this time no wobbly defending from Diego Simeone's crew no even if they were dominated was certainly let the ball to Betis mm. I mean they had 32% I think in the first half or something yeah, but I don't think like Betis that. created that many clear cut no, chances they when didn't. they scored it was that, that phenomenal shot from, yeah. from the edge of the box from from um, from Teo but yeah I thought this was such a vintage for all the Simeone 2.0 that we looked for or signs of something a bit different of they went back to what they do the best and that's exactly what they did that third goal is a killer the Griezmann Thomas Lemar 100% yeah. French goal it's just when they're like this they're, they're so hard to be what about Rodrigo de Paul's performance? No, Phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. And even when Carrasco came out, you know, like all of it was really positive for Betis team. That, okay, maybe they're a bit tired now. And they've played they're so many tired. games. They played Thursday night against Lyon yeah, in the Copa del Rey. Uh, and Joaquin, by the way, will have another chance to win it, uh, to win the Copa, the Copa del Rey. First time since the first week of the season where we have the big four, Real Madrid, Sevilla, Barca and Atleti, all in the top four. Inter played on Friday night and put five goals past Salernitana. Gab, they still have that game in hand, of course, I think against Bologna. Lotaro scored three, Jaco scored two. And they continue to be linked to Paolo Dybala. All right, two things on this. First of all, it's really important for them that Lautaro scores yeah. again. He's the most substituted player in Serie A. He's young. He shouldn't come off the pitch all the time. His confidence seems to be back. Stayed there scoring yeah, a lot good of goals. Hat-trick. That's it's a really good hat. Yeah. The Dybala story, you know my views on this. I, I think this is this is ridiculous. And look, the reason they're being linked is that his agents are in town. They're meeting yeah, yeah, on yeah. Thursday. Yeah. Borussia Dortmund avoid defensive embarrassment this weekend, mainly because their game against Mainz is postponed after a COVID outbreak uh, among their opponents. But Jules, there's still plenty of Erling Haaland talk with Manchester City and Real Madrid reportedly in pole position. Yeah, that's right, Gav. And Madrid are now saying, no, we want him now. We don't want him in 2023 in the summer, blah, blah, blah. I think City, City still, still feel the favourite. He will have this pick. He will can he can go wherever he wants. Uh, there's a long way to go, a long saga. If Dortmund were hoping for a quick, no, no, there won't be. Conor McGregor is apparently determined to buy a football club. Gav, he says he's exploring the possibility of taking over Chelsea, Manchester United, or Celtic. Uh, is that serious? So. <laughs> Look, the reason I put this question in is because to remind <laughs> no, people I love that it. Chelsea are for sale. But, um, and he's a Manchester United fan, yeah. so that's why I want to buy Manchester United. Uh, he's Irish, so I'm yeah. assuming that's why he wants to buy Celtic. No, he doesn't have enough money. He's not going to buy it. 
Done. <laughs> We're not talking about him again. <laughs> Jesse Marsh makes his debut as manager of Leeds United, and they fall to Leicester City. 1-0. Jules, what did you make of his debut? So earlier you said that you, you like looking at it, the performance more than the result, and I think this is what we should do. Okay, the result is not good. You don't want to lose. You never want to lose, especially on your debut and stuff. I, however, I thought the content of the performance, certainly for an hour, was really good. They had a lot of chances, certainly a lot of shots. I thought they pressed well. They looked even more solid and, I guess, better organized in a way defensively compared to before March arrived. It's disappointing to lose and lose like that. But I think there was still a lot of positives from that first well, performance. It's not just me who said it. He said the same thing. Like, I like to look at performance yeah, yeah, more than yeah. results. And yeah, that's I was thing. watching Match of the Day here in the UK. And they're like, yuck, yuck, yuck. No, surely he means results because they were, they're going to go down. Uh, you know, I, I get their point too. But I'm with them. Um, look, I'm programmed to really dislike Jesse Marsh because no, of his Princeton roots. Um, but equally... Um, I, thought I thought that was good. encouraging. Yeah. Everton plays Spurs on Monday night, uh, just a few hours after we record this. But the Mail on Sunday reports that sanctions on Alisha Uzmanov, uh, who's involved with Everton, of course, mean that they could have 300 million haul in their account, in their budget. Which is obviously a big factor when you yeah. think that they're building a new stadium. Um, listen, at some point, I would presume these funds will be unfrozen and so on. So it's just a question perhaps of delaying things if you're, yeah. if you're an Everton fan. But I also think this is a golden opportunity to go in forensically and discover, hey, all this money, Farhad, Farhad Mashiri, who, for those who don't know, Farhad Mashiri worked for Uzmanov exactly. for, for a long Many time. Years, and yeah. then he pops up and says, oh, look, I'm buying the club with my money. And then Uzmanov has got some sponsorship deals and whatever. Mm. I... Again, I don't want to be libelous or get myself in trouble, but people have asked the question, so like, hey, Farhad, how did you make enough money to buy the club when, you know, normally when you work for somebody else, yeah. you don't normally oh, make yeah. hundreds of millions. Um, <laughs> I'd love to see some proper forensic accounting from the Premier. This is a great opportunity. Yeah, Let's yeah just that's, true. Listen, that's true. I, it doesn't mean that it's tainted if Uzmanov owns it, as long as Uzmanov hasn't connect, committed any crimes. But let's have some clarity on who owns what. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I think, listen, you know my thoughts on, on Newcastle and their owners, right? But they had to account for everything, and they had to be very transparent because there was a lot of scrutiny. With this one, I don't think there really was. I just want to know no, who owns the club. And Bill Kenwright, if you're listening, and if you know, why don't you tell us, since you care about Everton so much? Leipzig and Freiburg share the spoils, and that's only because of Angelino's last-ditch equalizer. Oh, yes. Jules, Lovely. they're both two points behind the Hoff in fourth place yeah. and four points behind Bayer Leverkusen in third. Who's getting into the Champions oh, League? This is going to be fascinating because the Hoff, as you said, Sebastian Hones, uh, four wins in a row, I think, incredible. And the rise, I mean, uh, they're very much in the mix. I still think that Bayer Leverkusen and Leipzig should... You know, should um, should should Christian strike running out of miracles? I and I just I know they play in the Europa League, of course, and you know that's it's a it's a heavy schedule compared to. Well, it's not their 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 game against Spartak Moscow is not. Really yeah, I know for Leipzig, you know. So, uh, but I still think they've got the bigger squads. They 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 should surely surely see this one out. But it's going to be great. There's a lot of big you know races for for the top four finish so in a lot of the leagues that's great Chiro Immobile scores for Lazio in their 3-0 win over Cagliari and becomes the club's all-time John goal scorer equaling Silvio Piola Gab how significant is this and well, well done to him as well of course well done to him now for those who don't know Silvio Piola is the all-time leading goal scorer in Serie A yeah. he's one of those guys who played before the, before the war yeah, the he played for 
he played for like a million years and he <laughs> scored 572 or 574 goals something crazy like that he's just a joint leading goal scorer at Lazio because he spent some of his career Lazio yeah. things like 139 goals um but it is significant because this is a guy who's bounced around a lot. He's had setbacks. Now he's found his niche. Mm. He's scoring goals like there's no tomorrow. Yeah, and I'd appreciate good. it even more if we he scores you. a couple goals in the playoffs. Marseille fall at home to Monaco. 1-0. Jules, why can't my man Jorge oh, Sampaoli get anything going? Listen to this. At home this season in the league, they have dropped 22 points. Who, I mean, who drops 22 points at home when you're a big club in a big league? No one does that. And, 22 points. And you play at the velodrome and you've got a pretty passionate fan base. Incredible. And they were like, booing. Trust me, they were booing on Sunday night because Marseille were good in the first half and Monaco were dreadful. And then, as you said, the game of two halves, blah, blah, blah. Monaco were much better in the second half and Marseille just disappeared. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Disappeared. But like, there's just, again, it's not, it's not good. And Frank McCourt, the owner, who was in town from the US, every time he comes, he jinxes them. They never win. So maybe stay in LA or in Boston or wherever you are, Frankie, but it's not good. And it, it's, it's a tough time for them. It, it's funny because those these two clubs are such polar opposites, right? Because Completely. Monaco, yeah, yeah. right down to their stadium. I was imagining the Monaco Ultras traveling to Marseille, like both of them. Oh, oh, five of right? them, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> with their, with their, uh, with their driver yeah, and the, uh, big in the Escalade. It's a big win for, uh, for Philippe Clément as well because he was, they hadn't been playing well lately. Argentina announced their pre-selection squad for the next international break and they are a bunch of guys that most of you of us would have never heard of, Gab. And I'm sure you've heard of these people. I have to say, I had not heard of most of these people and it does it. test you a little bit, It I does, think. yeah. The Carboni brothers are in Valentin and Franco. You've got Thiago Geralnik from Villarreal, Alejandro Gamacho from Manchester United. None of them have made their first team debut, by the way. Uh, and yet they're all in it. What is Lionel Scaloni? Uh, there's also uh, there's also Lucas Romero from Lazio. Yeah, he has who made a couple of Mallorca. Remember, he was that 15 year old. So I find this really interesting. Basically, all of these people are. Um, they're all dual nationality. They're all very young. They're all essentially youth team players. They all have dual nationality yeah. or triple nationality. I think oh. one of these, I think it's Guralnik, who's yeah, even Romero, eligible for, for, yeah, Guralnik, yeah. I think is Mexico, Argentina, and Italy maybe, or Spain. Yeah, Spain I don't know. Yeah. Um, and basically, he wants to bring these guys in young, bring them to the national team, you know, have them have them train with Lionel Messi. Clever. Let them know what El Mundo Albiceleste is all about. Clever. And hopefully that'll influence your shot. I, I think it's very, very clever. Yeah, very clever. And maybe your boy Didier Deschamps should do that. God yeah. goodness knows there's enough talented kids in Too France right. who are eligible. Maybe Too if right. somebody had done that years ago with, with Khalidou Koulibaly, yeah, yeah, maybe he would have won right. a couple more World Cups. Exactly. Who knows? Who knows? Bordeaux are one of the great French clubs, but things are going from bad to oh. worse there, Jules. Last year, they became insolvent. Uh, King Street, who are like these sort of cartoon villain funds yeah. from the U.S., they basically pulled the plug, made the club insolvent. Mm -hmm. Then they ended up with Gerard Lopez, who... Yeah. I'm in two minds about because I've interviewed him. He's a fascinating guy. Yeah, yeah, People yeah. at Lille don't have very nice things to say about him. That's true. Again, he doesn't have nice things to say about Lille either, so no. it works both ways. Um, but they're dead last. Is not looking good. Not looking good. I mean, it's still their level on points with the team, the two teams above them in that bottom three and two, two behind... Seventeenth uh, and sixteenth, or you know, so they, of course they, it's, it's not. Like they were fifteen points behind and were starting to go down. However, 
That game at the weekend against Troyes at home as well was terrible, really terrible. They've got a new, they changed manager, Petkovic was sacked, David Guillon came in. We haven't really seen much of it. They've got good players, certainly some, some are talented, but I don't know, collectively they're struggling. My fear, Gab, is that if they go down, I think I could see the club just putting the key under the door and this is it, you know, and Bordeaux would, would be gone forever because it's that bad. Financially, they are struggling so badly that I think going down could be the end of them, which is crazy to think about it. So I really hope they can turn it around. What, what I'm not clear on is given the way Gerard Lopez left Lille and the reasons why yeah. he left Lille, right? In France, you have the DNCG, which is this financial control body. They're supposed to be the real sticklers for the rules. Everybody's wondering the same thing. How did they let him no. get in there? I mean, I, like, I'm not, you know, maybe he found money, but did they have the full controls? Like yeah, yeah, they had all the checks. So they said, you know, all the, everything to go and to say, okay, he's, he's legit in what he wants to do with this club. A lot of it was done to a top 10 finish. I mean, the bottom now, okay? Yeah. He budgeted on a top 10 finish which was always a, a long shot. So they believe that clearly. And then they have a goodish academy, not one of the best in France, but decent one. And I think, again, the players trading was at the heart of it all. Okay, it's no problem to, play, to trade players, but if you're bottom of the table, who's going to come and buy your players? Exactly. Even the most talented? So it's a crazy mess. And I, I really, I'm really, really, really fearing for them. Former Lazio captain Pino Wilson passed away over the weekend. Gab, he was part of one of the most colorful teams ever. Yeah, and look, I tell this story just kind of to illustrate how the game has changed. Mm -hmm. Pino Wilson was uh, his entire international. His, uh, his father, I think he might have even been born in England. His, his father was English anyway. Um, but... He was at Lazio when they won the first title, 1973-74. And you want to talk colorful, wild times. Um, this team was absolutely remarkable. Yeah. For a start, this was a team that had um, the legendary uh, Giorgio Quinaglia. He was a center forward. This is a team which was essentially split right down the middle. You had a hardcore of, at the time, there was a lot of political turmoil in Italy between um, the sort of neo-fascist types on the right and hardcore communists on the yeah. left. Both were representative of the team, and they would have literal fistfights at training um, <laughs> all the time. You know, Wilson, as captain, even though he think he was pretty much to the right, he would always find a way to, to bring them together yeah. on the pitch during games, and then the fighting would start immediately <laughs> afterwards. Um, I don't know, one of these players, I don't know if it was him, used to, he used to have a gun permit. He used to carry it with him on the team bus. Um, and... This is a team that played phenomenal football to, to, to win the title. Uh, and then it all fell apart, in part due to one of the most incredible, most tragic uh, stories uh, ever. Uh, they had a, a midfielder named Luciano Recheconi. I know he's got nothing to do with Wilson, other than his teammates, but mm. it is a tremendous story. Uh, Recheconi was a prankster. He loved to go around and play jokes on people. So he thought it would be, it would be funny to go to a jewelry shop where he had bought jewelry from earlier. Um, and go in and pretend that he had a gun and he was robbing the jewelry store. Uh, yeah, that's funny. And tragically, the, uh, the, the jeweler, who had been robbed several times before, he had, he had a legally registered gun, he felt threatened, and he went and he shot and killed him. Um, and that is part of sort of the, the curse of this Lazio team mm. and how despite all the talent that they had, they fell apart very, very quickly. So, but Pino Wilson, um, a huge figure in the history of Lazio. 
Russia have responded to being hit by sanctions uh, over the uh, conflict in Ukraine uh, by blacking out pro-Ukraine messages and Western media in general, but not the Premier League. No, it's strange. Isn't it? I mean, I don't even know how to react I, to it. Is it because I, I think it's a technical issue? Because it has to be. Why would they you get just the keep pictures down? in? It's not like they can black out the crowd, but. I thought it was interesting. It shows the appetite well, yeah, 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 for watching football. Especially when the Premier League is thinking about what to do with the broadcast deal that they have for the Russian broadcaster uh, who's broadcasting the, the Premier League in, back in Russia. So, it's yeah, I, I saw it as well this weekend and I was like, wow, I don't really get it. Sometimes, Gab, we get incredible heartwarming stories from uh, the world of football. So tell me about Sasha Clexton and Chris Hegard who met again this weekend, 12 years after they first met. This is just such a sweet, inspirational story. Um, Sasha Klestan, who, I have to confess, I'd lost track of him. I thought he'd retired. But no, apparently he plays for the LA yeah, Galaxy. He still plays well yeah, with no. his moustache. Um, so in 2010, Sasha Klestan goes and he's sent around to, to go and visit uh, sick children, as, as a lot of footballers do. And, and he meets this little boy named Chris Hagar, uh, who I guess would have been eight years old uh, at the time. Um, not 100% sure. I, I think he was suffering some, some, he was undergoing radiation treatment because he was bald. Um, and now, 12 years later, he plays against them when the LA Galaxy played Charlotte. Yeah. Um, it is absolutely Incredible. heartwarming story. Gave each other a big hug, and I think it shows a lot of inspiration yeah. um, that, and, and, and motivation. And I was just really, really moved. Yeah, it's uh, a lovely, lovely story. Yeah. Jules, we're done, but we're gonna be back on Thursday, right? Oh, we have to. The Champions League, League is back. Woo. Unbelievable. Yeah. Until then, love the game, love your neighbor, love yourself. <laughs>